Amen. To God be the glory for the things that he has done. Would you help me celebrate our pastor, Pastor Conway Edwards? Amen. I consider it an honor and a privilege to serve under him, and I don't take this responsibility lightly that he has given me to share the word of God with you, and so I won't be long. I'm going to quickly jump into the word of God, so if you'll pray with me, we're going to get right in. Amen? Amen. Dear God, I sense the fatigue in this room. Here we are in the second month of the year, and some of us are already weary in 2023. God, I pray that you will help us to understand that that's okay, but that you have an answer to our problems, our challenges, our difficulties. God, would you help us through the Word of God to make wise decisions as we face different challenges and obstacles and forks in the road. God, I pray, God, that you would decrease me, God, that you would increase, that you would shut me up to the end, that you would speak up, that someone would leave here today encouraged and enlightened is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all don't mind. Um, I sense already that some people are fatigued. Again, we, we are in February of 2023, is there anybody that's ever felt fatigued? Is, is there anybody in the room that, that even though it's only February, you know what, I'm almost tired of 2023 already. The truth of the matter is that the problems that we face wear us down. The problem is, is that I think we are so comfortable with exhaustion that we, we don't make the connection that it drives our decisions. And so many times we make bad decisions because we are fatigued. And I'm not talking about I need a power nap. I'm talking about I'm fatigued. I'm famished. I'm exhausted. If you let me sleep for a day, I will sleep the entire 24 hours. Is there anybody other than me that had your kids at the house all this week. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it, it was cool on Monday. It was cute on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I was still enjoying the family time, but somewhere around Thursday, I was like, all right, God. I need that little African woman that Pastor was talking about last week that can pray down for rain to stop to talk to these streets, talk to this cold, and let these kids go back to school because I am tired, I am weary, I'm exhausted trying to work and care for kids, trying to be an employee and a teacher. Was there anybody that was fatigued this week like me? I mean, we can get fatigued. Some of you guys understand what I'm talking about because you're a caregiver, you take care of your parents, you take care of your loved ones, and you still work a full-time job, that's exhausting. Some, some parents in here taking care of their children and working full-time jobs, that's exhausting. I know there's a single parent in here that says, you know what, I'm exhausted because I'm caring for my kids and working multiple jobs to try to make the ends meet. I'm exhausted. And when we're exhausted, we can make bad decisions. 
every now and again, exhaustion can lead us to bad choices. Just, uh, just this week, we made some bad choices, not, not just with our kids. How many of us were, got fatigued and we started snapping at our spouse? We're short with our words. Wanted them to give us some room. Don't give me no room. Get out the room. Amen. <laughs> some of us made some bad choices because we were fatigued. Somewhere around Thursday, we were trying to eat healthy, but on Thursday, we just started picking up popcorn and, 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 and sodas and, and chips. Yeah, I'm in the house. I'm just going to grab anything and eat it. I mean, we were making bad food choices. Why? Because we were tired. I'm telling you, by Friday, all the fast food spots was full. I mean, I, I was driving by. Everybody's drive through was full. We were just like, you know, I want to get out of the house. I'll eat anything. We made bad choices. But I want you to know that decisions are incredibly and indescribably important. In fact, I would say it like this. The quality of our decisions determine the quality of our lives. I, I would also say that when we make decisions, those decisions end up making us. I like to say it this way as well, problems for most of us lead us to making bad decisions because the truth of the matter is most of us are not good decision makers. We want to eat right, but we end up eating more than we should. Oh, I'm by myself. Okay. Um, we want to be wise with our money, but we end up buying things we can't afford. We want to be wise with our words, but we end up saying things that we regret. We want to do the right thing, but somehow we decide to do the wrong thing. We, we want to love the people around us, but sometimes our decisions end up hurting the very people that we love the most. We want to make good decisions, but the problem is most of us just aren't good decision makers. The question is, why do we struggle to make good decisions? I know at least one reason why that is. We are overwhelmed with choices. Overwhelmed with choices. There are studies that show that we make over 35,000 choices a day. 35,000. That means as soon as I wake up, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to wear? What am I going to do? What am I going to look at? Am I going to scroll? Am I going to swipe? Am I going to like? Am I going to comment? Do I look at this? Do I look at that? Do I not look at that? What, well, what am I going to do? That's before we leave the house. Then we leave the house. How am I going to get to work? Am I going to follow the GPS? Am I going to obey the speed limit? What am I going to do when I get to work? Am I going to talk to the people when I get to work? Do I want to do Zoom? Do I want to do face-to-face? -face? When am I leaving this place called work? We are overwhelmed with choices. That's why for many of us, we can make wise decisions during work and then get home and binge eat. We can make difficult decisions at work, then get home and binge watch. 
we are cordial and engaging at work, then get home and snap at our wives. We're available, accessible, and approachable at work, then get home and yell at our kids and are short with our husbands. Why? Because we have made so many decisions, so many choices that actually our muscles for making decisions gets tired. Cognitive scientists call this decision fatigue. It's that you have made so many choices that after a period of time, you get tired of making good decisions. You get tired of making them because you are so exhausted. You are so weary. You're so famished. You're so fatigued. Because we make so many decisions day in and day out, moment after moment, all day long, our decision muscles get really tired. We try to make good decisions, but because of the volume of the choices we make, our quality of good decisions starts to decrease. Well, can I tell you that there's good news? You're not the first person to be facing that problem. And there's more good news. I want you to know that God has an answer. So today I want to talk about better decisions, fewer regrets. Better decisions and fewer regrets. But can you join me as we talk about somebody who made one of the worst decisions in life because he was exhausted? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 25, verse 29 through 34. Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 through 34. It's a very familiar passage, but I think we can glean some life-listing lessons from this story. It simply reads like this. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. Somebody say exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew. I am exhausted. Somebody say exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold him his birthright. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil soup and he lentil stew and he ate and drank and rose and went his way thus Esau despised his birthright Let's look at this story There are no heroes in this story There's reason to criticize both individuals in this story Yet scripture does not paint a bad picture of Jacob as the culprit in this transaction. The text focuses in on the error of Esau, who allowed his physical desire for food to outweigh his desire for the spiritual inheritance that God had in store for him. Matthew Henry says this story is the most important meal since Eve ate the forbidden fruit. Can, can, based off this story, can I warn you that beware of the temptation to give up what you want most for what you want now. Beware of being willing 
to give up what's valuable to you, that, to that thing that you want most, the blessing and the calling and the purpose on your life, simply because you want something right now. Beware of the temptation to settle for stew rather than hold on to God's best for you. Can I say it this way? Don't forfeit your future because you failed to handle today properly. Let's look at this story. Simply put, this story can be summed up like this. Don't settle for stew. Don't sell out. Don't put physical ahead of spiritual. Don't compromise your relationship with God for the passing pleasures of sin. Don't negotiate the blessings of God for the things of this world. There are three good reasons why you should not settle for stew. There's three good reasons why you shouldn't sell out. There's three good reasons why you should not give up the blessings of God for the things of this world. And the first reason is, is that it costs too much. It costs you too much. Do y'all see the text? Do y'all see what's going on here? Esau returns home from a long day of hunting in the woods. He's hungry and exhausted. His, His appetite is consumed with the smell of some red stew that Jacob was cooking. He asked Jacob for a bowl of stew, and then in verse 31, Jacob responds with this unbrotherly response and says, sell me your birthright. Now, you got you to gotta give it to old Jacob, though. He saw his brother in this whole thing of decision fatigue and said, man, it's about the time to pounce on him now. It's about time for me to get what's mine. Do y'all understand that Jacob had been pursuing that birthright ever since they were born? That these men are twins, and when they came out, Esau came out, and Jacob came out clenching his feet because he wanted to be first. And I believe that's why Jacob is not condemned because the truth of the matter is that at least Jacob valued the birthright and Esau despised it. He did not understand what he had in his possession. He did not understand the full blessings that were on his life. But I know some of y'all are saying birthright, what's that mean? Because we, we, don't, we don't have a, a parallel for that in our, in our Western modern society. But in the ancient Near East, it was everything to a family clan. In the ancient Near East, the birthright was an automatic blessing bestowed on the firstborn male, the firstborn son in a family. It entitled him to a double portion, to two-thirds of his father's estate. It also meant that he became the head of the clan and the priest of the family. He became the responsibility, the responsibility of the family was on him. He led the family both physically and spiritually. He became the leader of the family. The future generations of the family clan would be identified by the name of the one who held the birthright. These blessings and more were all Esau's. More than that, how many of us know that the messianic line of Jesus Christ came through this family? And so Esau gives up the right to greatly impact the world and allow that to come through him because he wanted a bowl of stew. 
all because he wanted to satisfy his flesh, all because he was exhausted. Yeah, he is about to trade his calling for a craving. This is the majority, this is a major, because the, 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 the impact of trading calling for craving is that you miss out on the way God wants to use you to impact other people's lives. I didn't say this yesterday, but this, this hit me last night. I, I want you to understand that you never know what or who hangs in the balance of your decisions. I hope you know this. You are not the only person impacted by your decisions. You have no idea the ultimate impact that you, your decisions make. In fact, some of your decisions will impact descendants that you won't even live to see or meet. The impact and the outcome of your decisions will shape their story. The decisions determine the fingerprint that you have on somebody's future in somebody else's life. So we must take our decisions seriously. It ain't just about you. you your decisions affect everyone around you and the generations to come. If you don't believe it, just put it in reverse. How many of us can say, I'm affected by the decisions of my parents and my grandparents? I am here today. I am who I am today because of the good decisions and the bad decisions. We must realize that the choices we make, the decisions we make, it affects those coming after us. This is the challenge of the life of faith. Spiritual blessings don't exempt us from physical, emotional, or material challenges. We get tired sometimes. God got tired, so, so can we. I know y'all get tired, right? We get tired of doing what's right. We, we can get tired of resisting temptation. We can get tired of forgiving others. We get tired of going to church. We get tired of missing out on the fun. Singles, I, I know, I was single at one point in time. I've only been married almost 10 years, amen. But, 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 but you get tired of, of feeling lonely. You get tired of saying no. You get tired of not being married. Not only that, I know there's some students and some young adults in here. I know you get tired of walking in integrity. You get tired of running after Jesus. Some days you just want to fit in and do what everybody else does. We get tired. We get tired, and when we get tired, there is always someone cooking up a bowl of stew with your name on it. Yep. Yep, yep, no. Anybody know anything about a crock pot? Man, let me tell you something. My wife makes the best stuff in this here crock pot. This from my house, amen. This, it got residue of good stuff in it, amen. I mean, my, my, my wife can put some stuff in this thing in the morning. And by the time I get to the house, oh, hallelujah. The whole house is smelling good. The whole house got onions and uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. That good smell all through the house. But how many of people know that when you're exhausted, somebody is cooking something up in this pot just for you? 
Yep, they tired. Mm-hmm. Let me see what I can cook up for them now to get their blessing, to make them give up what God has in store for them, to make them forfeit their future. You know, I, I understand. See, you, you need to be warned that when you're lonely, a pot of temptation stoop is, is beginning to, to, to boil. I, I want you to realize that when you're hurt, a pot of revenge stew begins to boil. I, I want you to realize that when you are in need, a pot of compromised stew begins to boil. When you get tired, there is always a stew cooking up that looks good and smells good specifically for you. That's why we got to be careful, y'all. We got to be careful when we are exhausted because somebody or something or some situation or some scenario, some circumstance is always brewing to throw us off of God's plan simply because we are exhausted and make a bad decision. I want you guys to realize that we have to ask the question, what are we willing to trade for God's promise? How much are we willing to give up to obtain the things of this world? Is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it your integrity? Is it your peace? Is it your joy? What are you willing to give up for the things of this world? What are you willing to give up your calling for simply because you're craving something now? Esau would have appreciated, if he would have appreciated what he had, if he would have valued what he had possession of, do y'all realize that we would be talking about the Old Testament patriarchs in this order, Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But because he made a bad decision, we call them Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because Esau sold out and lost the birthright for a bowl of stew because he was exhausted. Can I tell you, don't let this happen to you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 says, uh, God, Jesus raises two questions. He says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? Can I let you know, don't settle for stew because it costs you too much. Decisions determine your direction. And your direction determines your destiny. If you make a bad decision, you can mess up the trajectory of your life. First point, don't settle for stew because it costs too much. Secondly, don't settle for stew because you aren't really as hungry as you think you are. Can I let you know that you really ain't that hungry? You really aren't that needy. Mm -hmm. You really don't need it that bad. Mm -hmm. You really don't have to have it. You're really not about to die. Yeah. Let's look at the text. When Esau returned from hunting game that day, he was very tired and extremely hungry. These are the facts. But Esau made a foolish decision because of a dangerous collision between facts and feelings. Be careful 
when you allow facts and feelings to collide and you choose feelings over facts. Y'all see right here, verse 31 says, Jacob's proposal deal was presented to, to, to Esau for his birthright. And the truth of the matter is, if it were me, verse 32 should have read, Jacob, you must be out of your mind if you think that I'm going to sell you my birthright for a bowl of stew. Verse 32 should have said, Jacob, you must be crazy if you think I'm going to give up my blessing for whatever you got in that crock pot. No, but that's not what it says. Verse 32 reads like this, y'all. It says the same thing in your Bible. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? He was tired from hunting all day, yet he did not think to feed himself with the game that he had caught and killed while he was out in the woods. See, now, hold on, hold on. Because y'all, y'all going real hard on old Esau. Because y'all know hindsight is always 2020. We can always look in somebody else's story, somebody else's business, and then begin to figure out what they should have done. But how many of us have made the same mistake? God has given us blessing on blessing on blessing, and we give up those blessings for something we think we need or we think we want or we think we have to have. I just wanted to correct y'all real quick, but let's get back to Esau. He didn't even think about the game that he had just killed. He was tired. He had made it all the way back to the camp. If Jacob had refused to give him some stew, some commentators say that he wasn't that far from his father's house. He wasn't that far from his mama's kitchen. He wasn't that far from his servants' quarters. If he would have just kept going a little further, he would have gotten access to free food that wouldn't have cost him anything. But because he got to a certain point, and allowed his feelings to tell him that he was about to die, he was willing to give up everything for a meal, everything for a bowl of stew, everything for something that would make him feel good for the evening. We see here that the reality of where he was, the proximity to free stuff, never even crossed his mind. Dare I say it this way, that decision fatigue is what made him make this ridiculous decision. He was tired. He had been making decisions all day long, who to shoot, where to hide, what to, what to use, all these types of stuff. And he ends up being fatigued. How He allowed his feelings to over-exaggerate the facts. And he concluded, I'm about to die. No, he wasn't, and neither are you. I know that somebody in here came into church today saying, I'm about to die. I'm about to quit. I'm about done with this. I'm about through with this. You know what? I can't make it anymore. I can't go another further. I'm done. Anybody? Don't don't raise your hand. Don't don't raise your hand. But I I, I want to warn you, don't settle for stew because you're not as hungry as you think you are. The truth of the matter is, is that when we find ourselves faced with situations where we believe we're about to die, can I let you know that there's three things you need to do? The first thing is, 
All we need is self-control. The first thing you need is self-control. See, without a doubt, Esau was hungry and tired, but he was not starving to death. What he needed was self-control, and so do we. When you look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Can I share with you what I often have to tell myself? If you're going to say yes to Jesus, you're going to have to learn to say no to yourself. See, see, see self-control will help you stay away from some pots and stay away from some people who are cooking up some stuff that will cause you to forfeit your future and compromise your faith. The first thing you need is self-control. Y'all know what the second thing you need is? Patience. The second thing we need is patience. There's, there's, there's this story of this man named Philip Brooks. Now, Philip Brooks is usually a calm pastor and, and, and author, and his friend was visiting, and when his friend showed up at Philip Brooks' office, he saw Philip Brooks walking around like a caged lion, pacing back and forth. And so he asked Mr. Brooks, what is wrong with you? He said, the problem that I'm facing is that I'm in a hurry and God is not. Have any of us faced that problem? You know what? I'm in a hurry, but God seems to be taking his time. I'm in a hurry, but God tends to, seems to be thinking that this is not an urgent matter. And so we see here that this, is, this was Esau's problem. Jacob was a smooth man. He would not have been out in the woods. So if Esau had made it to the house of Jacob, he was not that far away from other homes as well. I want you to realize that in the midst of these things, you need to be, have self-control. You need to have patience, but you also have to have wisdom. And if you don't have it, you need to pray for it. Right here it says we just need wisdom. Right? As we look at this, every birthday reminded Jacob that you know what? I'm the second son and Esau has the birthright. Ever since they were born, he was clinching at that opportunity. And did I tell y'all that, you know what? He is, not, he is not charged with the error of that because at least he understood the value. I think that, that, that the error of Esau is that he, he, he did not realize the role that this transaction would play in his life. Esau played the fool by not treasuring his spiritual inheritance. He was not wrong for acknowledging his physical needs. He was just wrong for putting his physical needs before his spiritual inheritance. He was not about to die. All he needed was wisdom to ignore his feelings and listen to his faith. Foolishly, Esau gave his attention to his physical needs and did not pay any attention to his spiritual inheritance. So let's get on to point three real quick. One, don't settle for soup. Don't settle for stew because it costs too much. Secondly, don't settle for stew because you really ain't that hungry. Thirdly, don't settle for stew because it doesn't really satisfy. Can y'all picture with me? Esau eats the soup. Goes, finds him a tree, mm -hmm. is rubbing on his stomach like, oh, Lord, that sure was good. 
But the truth of the matter is, in a few more hours, y'all know what happened? He was hungry again. He gave up his destiny for a meal that only satisfied for a few hours. He gave up his future for something that only made him feel good for an evening. How many of us have made those same decisions where we throw away our calling because we have a physical craving? We throw away our calling because we are exhausted. We give up our purpose because we are craving attention from someone, from something. I want you to understand that it won't satisfy. Can I tell you that worldly pleasures may interest you for a while, but it won't last long. Nightlife will excite you for a little while, but it won't last long. Drugs and alcohol will stimulate you for a while, but it won't last long. Sexual immorality may satisfy you for a while, but it won't last long. Silly friends will entertain you for a little while, but it won't last long. Material possessions may attract you for a little while, but it won't last long. Sinful behavior will sustain you for a little while, but it will not last that long. Well, Pastor, I I get it. Thank you for pointing out the fact that I don't make good decisions. Thank you (laughs) for helping me understand that when I'm exhausted, I need to do something different. Can you tell me what that something different is, please? I I would argue today that the way to avoid making bad decisions when you're exhausted Mm -hmm. is to predetermine what your choice is going to be before you face an exhausting moment. You need to predetermine what your choice is going to be. See, when I, when I, get, when I get older and, and, and big and fancy like Pastor Conway, I'm going to start having sermon notes. If I had sermon notes, I would have this phrase. When faced with blank, I have predetermined I will respond blank. So whenever I'm faced with this scenario, I have predetermined, I've made up in my mind, I've predecided that I'm going to respond this way. Because the truth of the matter is, is that if you make a decision while you're not mentally fatigued, you're better, you're going to have a better chance of making a wise decision than a bad choice. So, Pastor, where do I make this decision? Well, for the past couple of weeks, we've been going through this thing called airplane mode, in which Pastor was challenging us to, to tap into intimate moments with God. Right? He challenges us to have the nice seat like this. I went out and got me one of these. Amen, y'all. Y'all ever on the Zoom, y'all see it right behind me. I got a chair just like this. Amen. He reminds us that when we sit in this chair, this is where we ought to have a, an appointment with God and begin to interact with him. Right? We're going to get this on the way out. It says that, you know what? Spiritual intimacy leads to spiritual capacity, and spiritual capacity expands to spiritual authority. So when you begin to have intimate relationship with God, you can begin to make decisions that better uh, put you in a trajectory to be where God wants you to be and to fulfill the call and purpose that are on your life. So Zarius, what what am I doing? Right on here it says, listen and write, pray and read, be still and worship, set an appointment with God. What, What do you do when you read? Space, acronym, sin, sins to admit, promises to claim, This is my favorite part. Actions to take. 
This is where I predecide, God, I already know my temptations. I already know what type of stew might be coming my way. So I'm going to predecide my response before I have to face it. Do y'all understand there's some people in the Bible that did this real well? Has anybody ever wondered how in the world was Abraham willing to sacrifice Isaac after waiting for him so long? He had already predecided that my God can be trusted based off his track record. So if he asks me to do anything, I'm going to trust that he will supply my need. So by the time that he gets up to the top of the mountain, prepares to sacrifice his son, God prepares a ram in the bush. Why? Because Adam trusted that he would do what he said he would do, what he had always done. There's another person in the Bible that made a great predetermined decision as well. Her name is Ruth. Do y'all know that Ruth lost everything? But she had predecided, even after my husband dies, even after everything falls apart, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She predecided that no matter what happens, I'm sticking with Naomi and her God. Made up in her mind. Do y'all understand that there is somebody in the Bible that is the king of decision making? His name is Daniel. Do y'all realize that, that Daniel got pulled into exile, pulled into battle, had to go and, and, and be in a group of individuals where they tried to train. No, better yet, they tried to brainwash them. But Daniel predecided, I don't care what they say, three times a day I'm praying to my God. I don't care who they decide to throw me in the pit with. I am going to make up in my mind, pre-decide that I am going to stick with my God. Why? Because the blessing on my life is too great for me to forfeit it now. Not only that, do y'all understand his brothers made a good decision. His friends made a good decision as well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I mean, they made up in their mind before they got to the fiery furnace. I'm going to pre-decide that even if he doesn't, I'm going to trust God. That's what we have to do, y'all. We got to make up in our mind before the moment. Because how many people know in the moment we don't make good decisions? And so we pre-decide beforehand what my response is going to be. So no matter what's in that pot, I'm choosing God. No matter what's in that pot, I'm holding on to my blessing. No matter what my craving is, I'm going to keep my calling. And that's the challenge of today. That's all I want to ask you guys to remember and to do today because I know that you're fatigued. I know that you're tired. Accept exhaustion. It's going to happen. You're going to get tired. But determine today how you will respond when you are faced with exhaustion. So that you don't make a mistake by prioritizing your feelings in the moment over the mission that God has called you to. God, we thank you that in this word you have challenged us and reminded us that we are all not good decision makers. That we all will get tired and face fatigue at some point in time, but so that we don't make the mistake of trading our calling for a craving, God, would you help us to predetermine, to predecide our responses to different scenarios and situations so that we make the appropriate choice and prioritize you no matter what we face. 
God, I pray, God, that as everyone leaves today, that this poster doesn't end up in the bottom of their car, but that they put it up somewhere where they are reminded of the intimate moments that they have with you. And specifically, during those moments, to write down the actions that they will take when scenarios are put in their way. God, we honor you today. We thank you that our future will be better because our decisions will be better. We'll make better decisions and have fewer regrets. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.